Welcome back to the Remind Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation with my buddy Zach as we talk about lament. Lament is a biblical genre of prayer and poetry that really gives us permission to be really honest with God. And in this cultural moment of just such divisiveness in social media and on the news about everything related to COVID-19, to systemic racism in our country, Zach just wisely found so much wisdom and spiritual resources for us in Lament. And so I'm excited for you to listen to this. We're going to be having this conversation over four episodes. So take a listen in. I'm glad to be with you. Well, I mean, I have a pretty solid reason for why I wanted to talk about Lament, okay, which is, and it's because I just, I don't personally have a way of communicating like how I'm supposed to feel about like race issues and like how I'm supposed to feel about all like the government mandates. Okay. You know, somebody comes into my gym and says, you know, hey, if you don't wear a mask, you know, they're going to find you. And I'm like, what, what, can they do that? Like, what is this? Right. You know? Um, right. And... It just all of these like seeming injustices and that's like a relative term yeah injustices but that's that's it so i was like all right so how do when i heard nt Wright talking about it i was like right, this is something that seems pretty yeah right like this seems to be the way yeah. to do it yeah um and i just felt like when i thought about like our church and i thought about like the elections year and all of this stuff, like it seems that people just go and complain about everything, but in this like negative sense, or they'll complain and they complain with like a, a, an air of self-righteousness. Okay. Like they're not really complaining. They're trying to like teach everybody through their complaints rather right. than like genuinely complain and stay humble and like wondering right. about their complaints. Right. right. And, and I was I like, well, lamentation, lamentations, the book of lamentations and yes. lament should be able to might be able to help us in this area so what you're saying is that there's like some biblical resources i like the language of grammar i like to think about how the bible gives us like vocabulary and grammar to talk about things and so um you know so we used the idea of like wilderness to give us like language and grammar for Mm -hmm. covid19 which may still continue on that wilderness time, but we're talking about having a grammar for engaging with COVID-19 at large slash like the ways that we engage with that on a personal level. Cause I mean, I feel lamenty. Like you have people coming into your business asking questions. I do, you know, I did not become a pastor to learn how to edit audio and, you know, preach to an empty room. Hmm. Um, so there's like a lot of, there's like lament to, you know, even those Sundays that we did outside services, like I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could just grab somebody and hug them you know? And so there's lament there, there's lament for race. And then I think to your point, lament gives us some really good language when we're personally suffering. And, but your point is that lament, I think lament does two things actually. I'm glad we're recording now because I think we're like catching some stuff that we can use. I think lament is really important because lament builds community in a way that mere complaining does not. Because I think to your point, the complaining that we see on social media right now is pretty divisive or right. like the, and I don't, and, and to call it complaining or like, let's like call it naming of a problem or whatever. It, it is divisive. It doesn't bring people together. But what's interesting is the laments in the Bible, 
the Psalms, which I think like half of the Psalms are lament Psalms almost, um, or a significant, a, a large chunk. Yeah. Um, there, they were sung corporately, right? So they actually, biblical lament gives us language and grammar that draws us together when we're faced by sadness. Whereas I think as 21st century Westerners, when we are faced with sadness, we like kind of end up isolating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, it's even really interesting um, in Lauren Winner's book, Mud House Sabbath, she talks about these like Jewish faith practices. And like one of them had to do with grief and eventually like in, in ancient Judaism and maybe even today, I wouldn't know for sure, but after like a set amount of days where you grieve by yourself, people from the community like force you to walk around the block and then force you to be around people. And like, there's like this structure and we don't have that. So it does cause us to collapse inward. So I do think lament is great. So I think it's, I think this is a great topic of conversation to help people engage with God on like these big national pictures of and global pictures of like COVID-19 and nationally with racism. And then, you know, there's just a lot that people walk through even in our community. And it would be good to give some grammar for how do I engage with God when I'm feeling disappointed? Yeah. So it's like the personal engagement with God Mm -hmm. and that person who's, you know, given himself to us through Jesus. And then like the community engagement with the people that we're supposed to be in, in, in fellowship with right, in our church. Right. So it's like those two things. And that's, the, yeah, and that's my point is that when I see people struggling, it's just always a negative. It's a negative. And I think lament is negative, but we there's the but that turns it into something that's, that's greater and worthwhile. And it's the but that draws us back into community and into deeper intimacy with God mm-hmm. and with each other. And so, yeah, I'm stoked about this conversation. So... You said you were listening to N.T. Wright, mm-hmm. who I would say if we were to compose a list of theologians that we reference on a regular basis here at Regen, Dallas Willard is there, N.T. Wright is there, Scott McKnight is kind of climbing to the list because we've been working through a book of his in Theology Club. Bible Project. Bible Project so, is... Tim Mackey. And John Collins. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, N.T. Wright probably the most important Bible scholar on the planet, or at least in the top three. I feel like he's like the super heavyweight. Oh yeah. 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 In like, not in like actual weight matters, but just like in intellectual and understanding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you're listening to you write about lament. So tell me about that. I was listening to a podcast, um, published by Biola university and they had NT Wright on talking about his book, Okay. Which was a reflection on COVID-19. Okay. And in that, he kind of discusses lament. And in, in the midst of the conversation, one of the questions that was asked by um, the interviewer for the po- for that podcast was something about Romans 8 and how all things work together for the good. Mm-hmm. And N.T. Wright started chuckling. So I was like, okay, that piqued my Yes. Interest when yes. when an Englishman starts laughing and getting really uh, yes. <laughs> excited about something, I was like, okay. So he started to go in, and he, and he actually said, he's like, well, now you're talking. So he like <laughs> he himself like popped up and got really excited about to talk about that. So I you know stopped the car. Actually, I was actually listening. Like I listened to him in the uh, <laughs> in a parking lot, and <clears throat> I listened to it over. And, and I'm just gonna paraphrase what he said. Um, hey, and if NT right, if you're listening to this. I hope I don't butcher what you meant. But also, we love you and 
yeah. come be on our podcast, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but essentially what he said, by the meaning of that, um, Romans 8, 28, he says, um, he was teaching and he, he, he taught on that podcast. He said, um, is it God who works? So there's a debate, I guess, in the right. meaning of that. And it's like, is it God who works all the things, or is it the spirit who works all the things? And Wright seems to think that the proper translation is that it's God who works all things together for the good. And then he said, what's often forgotten on those um, calendar quotes. The Hobby is, Lobby plaques. Yeah, the yeah. Hobby Lobby plaques is for those who love him. Hmm. And he goes on, he continues, and he said the Greek word together is actually a piece When in that, in that verse where it says together. That word means to going into partnership on the good work that God has. So he's saying the verse doesn't mean that this bad thing happens to us and God takes like all of the things and puts them together in a good way for us. Right. You're saying that God is inviting us into partnership with himself. Those who love him, which is a partnership with God, he's inviting us into a partnership. Yeah, he's saying that he's going to take all of us and work together mm-hmm. somehow. It's 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 that cooperation. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, and so he kind of like backs that up with the idea of like Paul's been talking about the groaning of creation and the church, and mm-hmm. you know, and we're wondering what's God doing? Like even in this current time, like with COVID nineteen, yeah. what's God doing during this? And this kind of like takes us back to one of our previous conversations about right. um it was one of our first podcasts about was, yeah it was about god and suffering god and suffering yeah. so you know people are suffering through COVID 19 and beyond before COVID 19 people have been suffering since the beginning of time and it's always the question and one of the big you know refutations against christianity is like where's god during all of this right um so the spirit's groaning too the people in the spirit are in partnership as people of lament is what uh, N.T. Wright is saying. Okay. So that's what the togetherness is, essentially. Um, it is God, God's people and the Spirit of God groaning together. Yep. That brings good out of the situation. That's yeah, essentially. Wow. Yeah. And it's it just like that was just such an eye-opener for me because it's this thing that we rarely ever hear about in church. Mm-hmm. Not not something that I haven't heard much in the past six yeah, and a half years. pastor? Jeez. Right. Well, I don't know. And, and, and the way that he... And, and this is the conversation a little bit is that it's uh, around the book of Lamentations. Is it a book that's so dark and dreary and just, you know, awful to read sometimes? Like right. earlier today, I was reading it the first time and by halfway through chapter two, I was literally crying. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and you know me when something like that happens on my walk, my, on my faith walk here. Um, generally means Jesus is doing something. Generally means it's something pretty important. So like, but yeah, I've never read scripture and just cried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I encourage anybody who's listened to this, if you haven't read through a very short book of the Bible called Lamentations, it's only five chapters. It's poetry. Yeah. Um, you should read through it and see if you can make it all the way through without crying. Lamentations has a great verse um, that I used back in January here in our community. We had a pretty significant tragedy when an 18 year old young woman died tragically. And so I actually used that verse in the sermon for her funeral. Uh, and it's in Lamentations three. Um, his mercies are new every morning uh, because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. His compassions never fail. And so 
here let's let's maybe see if we're out ahead of ourselves because what we're talking about is lament so strictly speaking if you asked kyle to define lament kyle would say lament is this form of prayer in which god invites us to name our sadness and our sorrow and in that naming be transformed by it um so lament psalms uh, cover you know pretty significant amount of the 150 you know psalm 13 how long O lord will you forget me forever um psalm 88 actually ends like a lot of lament psalms kind of turn around right there's like a u shape they kind of or at least they go from the bottom up yeah and actually psalm 88 doesn't really have any movement because it starts bad and then it ends with darkness is my only friend Wow. It was probably written by an Enneagram four and, um, uh, and like, or like a 14 year old emo kid. And so, um, lament, I mean, I became familiar with lament too. I mean, you're talking a lot about NT, right? And you're going to bring in a guy named Mark Vrogop, Vrogop. but I became familiar with him through Walter with lament through Walter Brueggemann, who's an old Testament scholar and has written a lot about that. And he would talk about, um, lament kind of having this movement of orientation disorientation reorientation and kind of going back to your comment about romans 8 what you're saying is that and that verse you know for all things work to work for the good of those who love god and are called according to his purposes what you're saying is that movement from disorientation to reorientation is not it's not just something that God does for us while we're standing still. It's a partnership where we're kind of grappling with God Mm -hmm. about sorrow and suffering. Yes. Yeah. And it's the, that grappling that's like catching my attention because it's like, it can be a long grappling Mm -hmm. because I just want to like take a step into the historical setting of the book. Lamentations. Lamentations. Okay. So, and I mean, I'll, I'm going to send that right back to you to see like where, Again, I'm always testing your Bible knowledge here, but yeah, and from now what, we're in a major prophet, which is not good because it's written by the it's written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah, yeah. The so we, and the weeping prophet is what he's called. And I, from what I from the small study that I did, I mean, this is in the midst of Babylon overthrowing them. Yes, I mean, you can just read through the Book of Lamentations and get a good idea about what's going on. Yeah, and just a but like I mean, they're in, in exile. They're in exile for like over a hundred years. Uh, it's at least seventy. Yes. Yeah, it's like, well, so the dates that are in my mind is like 5 or uh, 6, 30 something BC to like 5, something like that. It's over 100 years. And yeah. that just made me think about what, what that made me think about without getting like all too patriotic and American. Like, I mean, our country has only been a country for like a little over 200 years, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, these people were in just you know, starving, being, you know, killed. Um, they were just living in the streets, like every bad thing that we could ever possibly think about as, you know, two middle-class white Americans sitting in a great office that you're in. It's like nothing office. that we could ever conceive. Right. They lived in that for over a hundred years. Yeah. And they're just wondering where God is. And, right. and, and if God loves them, right. how could this be happening to them? Right. And like, I mean, and is there, is there any more, his, like... With, 
Well, I mean, the Babylonian, so in the history of the Bible, right, so God promises Abraham and his descendants some land, a place for them to call their own. And uh, their dwelling in the land is kind of contingent upon their covenant faithfulness. They are not faithful to the covenant and they are expelled from the land. Uh, and actually, it's really interesting. So the law of Israel said that every seventh year, the land of Israel was to have a Sabbath rest. They weren't supposed to farm it. And then every 50th year. Um, and so uh, somewhere in the Old Testament there, it says that they're carried away at least for 70 years is how long the exile is. Mm. And they're carried away for like one year for every Sabbath year they did not Wow. undertake it. it was the land like the lord says i'm gonna let the land rest now because you didn't um theologically in the old testament there's this really interesting intertwining between like the people and the land and like how like the you know the land will have a famine when the people are in sin like there's this kind of intertwining which i think we could probably build some environmental theology wow that, yeah let's yeah. talk about that another time i think um and and so i also know so they're carried away into captive captivity. Um, that's where Psalm 137 is written, right? How can we sing the Lord's songs in a foreign land? Um, it's really interesting to me. Jeremiah 29, 11 is the, that passage also on a lot of Hobby Lobby placards. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a future and a hope. And he says that to Israel, well, to Judah, the southern kingdom. He, he says that to them while they're in exile in Babylon. That's when he says, I have, I know the plans I have for you. Right. Earlier in that passage in Jeremiah 29, it's one word from the Lord. It's really interesting. He says them. I, I just used this passage to kind of encourage somebody in my huddle last night. Um, he says, um, you know, you found yourself in the land, in this land, build homes, plan to stay. He literally, I love the NLT. It says plan to stay because they were kind of living with this. How do I escape from this? And the Lord's kind of response is like, you're going to be here for a minute. So build houses in the in exile. They're in going to be in Babylon. He's like, you're going to be here for a minute. So go ahead, build houses, plan to stay, build garden, like plant gardens, eat what they produce. Like, it's really interesting. He says, like, uh, find sons and daughters for your children. Let them marry. Let them have children. Like his whole thing is like, and, and then the really interesting thing too is he says, like, pray for the city that you're in and pray for its prosperity. Hmm. Um and so I think the that, city that smashed their city yeah, he and says, like killed their people. Which is why later Jesus would say what? Like bless those who persecute you. Right. right. And so I think um, yeah, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Like his whole ministry is just awful. Yeah. Because he, he is a prophet to Israel like in just the worst of times. Like it's just awful. Well, and that's what brought me to like tears too when I was reading Lamentations. Because it was him just talking about like how tears are just falling out of his face yeah, and like guy. he's laying on the ground like he yep. can't understand yeah that's it's just like when i when i connected with that like spirit of him i was like um that's really sad well everything i mean so much of israel's faith was built on and maybe not in a healthy way built on being in that land like to be in the land uh, was to is what it meant to be Yahweh's people, and they're not there anymore. Yeah, and he's not there, and he's not there, and so like it is just soul crushing, and, and I think there's just so much to that. But so Lamentations is this book where you have, I mean, Jeremiah is a pretty big book in the Old Testament; it's one of the major prophets. Um, then there's this little addendum that's almost like reads like I think I think it reads like Jeremiah's journal. 
like here's kind of Jeremiah's public proclamation to the people of Israel about what's happening to them. And Lamentations is like the journal he carried in his pocket that like somebody found after he died. And like that was also inspired. And so I think Lamentations is huge. And I think it's such good news that like we are in a cultural moment. I mean, we talked about this in a couple podcasts ago, but I mean, we are in a cultural moment where I have come to grips with in a profound way, like the racism and bias that is inside of me. And, and Steph and I've had a lot of conversations about that. And so I'm really kind of trying to press in there. And I am really, I'm just brokenhearted that like, this is where we are as a country that like, um, you know, so between the two of us, we have three kids. If our kids were black, they wanted three of our kids, either Zoe or Jade or Jack, one of those three would end up in prison by the time they were 18. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's just crazy to think about. Um, and then, yeah, with COVID, like, not only the loss of life and the changes to our daily lives, but it's just been such a sign to me that we're just not home. And so I think that the Bible not only gives permission, right? There's a difference between giving permission and encouraging. The Bible doesn't just give permission for us to lament. The Bible, like, encourages us to lament. It encourages us to lament. Thanks so much to listening to this first episode all about lament. We're going to continue this conversation over four episodes, and we're going to talk about how lament transforms the way we interact with God, how laments themselves are structured and found in the Bible, and how does lament help us engage in this time of division. I'm so excited uh, to be on this journey with you. Grace and peace.